I just want to welcome everybody back. We started a series several weeks ago called Change. We've talked about how the gospel, the good news of what Jesus came, and it came and it changes us. It changes our family. It changes the way we work. It changes our attitude, the way we see things. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you, really this morning, let's just, I want to talk to you about the gospel and money. Got real quiet. All right, thank you. But see, 2 Corinthians says this. It says, so all of us who have had uh, the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed or transformed. That's what it means, into His glorious image. In other words, He's saying this in this scripture. What He's saying is that, It's like the the scales have been lifted off our eyes and now we can look at the Word of God and what happens is the Word of God is like a mirror and when we begin to read the Word or spend time in God's presence, all of a sudden we begin to measure ourselves in our own personal lives and we begin to do an inventory and go, wait a minute, as I look into this, my life doesn't measure up to what it says that I should be doing or how I should be living. It's not about don't do this, don't do this. It's like, wait a minute, does my life measure up? And you know what? It's like the Bible says it's like a mirror. And, and in that mirror, because what happens is when we begin to look in the Word of God, it begins to do a work in us. And that's where the word transformation begins to take place. All of a sudden, what we were before, we're no longer anymore. It was neat because two weeks ago, uh, last, son, last Saturday, my son Nathan went to Pastor Jacob's church. Anybody know about my son Nathan? And he, said, he told me this morning, he said, Bubba, my son was been hooked up in drugs and just making bad decisions, got caught and was facing jail time, all that stuff. I don't need to go into all that. But let me just tell you something. He said, Bubba, when I saw him Saturday, he said, I wasn't expecting this. But he said he looked like a male model. He said he shouldn't be looking like that, but that's the way he looked. But he said, Bubba, I saw the glory of Jesus on his heart and his face. And let me tell you something. I mean, Zach's going to visit him today. He's in Teen Challenge. And let me tell you, he said, Dad, he said, all Nathan wants to do is talk about Jesus, this, Jesus, that. And I'm like, praise God. It's transformation. You see, why do I say that? It's not to give glory to myself. It's to give glory to God because many of you were like that. That you came to a place in your life and you couldn't do it. You couldn't measure up and you needed a change. And all of a sudden you begin to look at the, and God began to deal with you by his spirit. And you all of a sudden you begin to realize, wait a minute, my life doesn't measure up to way I see it says it in this book. The Bible, the good news. And so this morning, what I want to do is that today we're going to talk about money and how the gospel impacts our money. You see, if you expect the world to show you how to manage your money, you're seriously mistaken. Amen? Amen. See, the world and money in the U.S., the consumer, listen, the consumer debt, consumer debt, that's us, is $11.4 trillion. That's us as individuals, not the nation, us. Okay, consumer, on the average, listen, the average household has a credit card that carries more than $15,000 in credit debt. Got real quiet. You You see, Jesus spoke about money so much, he discussed it more than faith. He discussed it more than prayer. He discussed it more than heaven and even hell combined, all of those. Jesus talked about money. Why? 
You know, Jesus said, there's three, I believe there's three ways, and we're going to talk about them this morning. The gospel changes the way we view money. And that's what I want to talk about. Just how we view it. It's not about, we're not, I'm not here to talk about if you give it away, you get this, or I promise you all these things and give you these little keys to how to get rich and all that stuff. What I want to do is I want to take you through the Bible and let you see what Jesus says about money and then what our view should be, our biblical view, our Christian view of what money is and what it should be to us. So money promises to give us what only Jesus can give. Amen. Money, let me say, money promises to give us. It promises to give us happiness, and we're going to talk about all those things. But, but what only Jesus can give us. And see, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. It says, yet true godliness with contentment, I love that, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. How many of you like just to be content? How many of you know that would be just better than any money you could hold? Okay? After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take a trailer load back with us. That's not what it says, but you know what I'm talking about. You can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation or trapped by many foolish, harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, much, much of the mess people are in is because their personal, it's, it's their personal finances is just a result of wanting more, want, 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 instead of just being content. Amen? You know, I, I'm reminded there was a story. There was in the mountains of Mexico, and a guy was traveling through these mountains. And he says, man, isn't it great that when I'm walking through here, that I see that in these mountains they have one, one stream that has cold water, and the other stream has warm water. And the guy, he looks at the, the Indian that's drawing the water, and he says, in this, in this, this mountain in Mexico, and he says, man, Mother Nature has really blessed y'all. Hansi, what do people say? And he said, shh, bless us. All we do is complain because Mother Nature never gave us soap to go with the hot water and the cold water. Isn't that how we are sometimes? That means sometimes we, you know, we get this and God bless us with this and then I was like, well, I ain't got that. You see, I, I know this. I, I'm reminded of, you know, it's like many times the world says you can have what you want right now. Come on, now. You don't have to wait, save your money anymore, just use a credit card. You know, MasterCard. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, MasterCard. How about the Visa? Everywhere you go, everywhere you want to be, Visa. How many of you, I mean, there's powerful advertising that tells us you deserve to own or experience something before you can earn it, before you have the money for it. You know, and it's powerful advertisement. You know, I heard of a guy that, that uh, someone came, he goes, I, I, man, I lost my credit card, but I decided not to report it to the police. And the guy goes, why? Because whoever, sold, whoever stole it is spending less than my wife did. <laughs> Sometimes it's the opposite, more than my husband. But anyway, see, you know, let me give you all a tip. There is far greater joy in a household where money is saved before it's spent. Thanks for all those amens. And people have a greater appreciation for stuff they 
they'll have already what they work for. You see, reject the culture promise that borrowing for everything is normal. Now I'm saying, look, sometimes you got to borrow for a house. I'm saying, but if you can sell it, it's worth more than you borrowed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. See, more money brings more happiness. How many of you believe that? Well, look at Phil Robinson. You know, I beg to differ. He was happy. He, he, I mean, he could go buy a Willie mansion. He just don't. He lives in his house right there by the creek. You, you know what I'm saying? Money hadn't affected him. But see, you hear people more. I've heard people say, more money, more problems. I've heard, how about Cindy Lauper? Money changes everything. Madonna, material girl. I'm, I'm kind of dating, all right? You can never have enough. You see, I rarely hear people saying that they have, have a spending problem. They seem to always have an earning problem. Y'all are quiet. Are y'all okay this morning? The coffee was good, wasn't it? Okay. I just wondering. The donuts kind of got you down this morning? All right, because we're going to break whatever's up in the house, okay? I'm, I'm fixing to preach like a man from another world, all right? All right, so this morning, I'm not trying to boast about me, but I just, let, let me just say this. You, you know, Proverbs says it like this. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Money, problem, money promises to give us what only Jesus can give you. Okay, what do you mean? Anything and everything money promises to give you, money promises, security, power, comfort, approval. We love money because we love the idols it promises us to give us. We love what it, what, what it wants to give us. But see, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't treat money as a harmless, benign thing. You know what he does? Because it has a mastering or consuming effect on us. And listen, I'm not here, about, I'm not here to preach about I believe that every one of us can be blessed. God wants to bless you. How many believe that? God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing to others. But what we're talking about is really the heart of the matter. When Jesus looked at the heart. And see, it, it, it's a master that desires exclusive worship and servanthood. It's a master. We will, we will either worship God and use the money God has blessed us with, or we will worship the money and use God. Okay? See, Mark says it like this. Mark 12, I love this. It says, And he sat down the opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of these who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Jesus paid attention to the one who gave the least in the eyes of people. Knowing it was to be the most in the eyes of God. You see, we look at the widow and see she... Of her being foolish and reckless. That's the way they saw her. And that she gave, she gave everything that she had to live on. Jesus looked at her and thought, it was amazing. She gave out of her poverty. Because she knew that her treasure was found in heaven. Where moth and rust 
couldn't destroy it. Jesus was not interested, as interested in what people gave as he was in how they gave. Jesus is all about the way you give. In other words, maybe God, may God help us to be like this faithful woman and show him our love as we give our money, as we give our energy, as we give our time, and have a heart for Jesus and what he wants to do. You see, what do you mean, Pastor Robert? The second thing is how we steward money reveals. That's what I'm reading. How you spend your money just reveals your heart. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. How many of you know that everything flows out of your heart? How many of you there's healthy hearts and there's unhealthy hearts? Just look at your body. Everything, your blood flows through your heart. That's what Joel is having a problem with because blood can't flow through his lungs the proper way it is. It's causing his heart to overwork and he's having stress on his heart. But I know a lot of people that, you know, if you just look at their lives, it's like they might not look like they have heart disease, but they have spiritual heart disease. Because what's happened is they've hardened their hearts toward what God wants to do. God wants you to be a channel. God wants you to be a river that he can, if, you know, the Bible says don't know what your, you know, your right hand shouldn't know what your left hand's doing. Or your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand's doing. You should give out of the abundance of what God's blessed you with. And so here, here, here's what I want to say. Why is Jesus so concerned how we earn, save, and spend our money? Why is he concerned? It's not because he wants your money. It's because he wants your heart. See, when he commands us to be generous, it's not because he wants to take things, things from you. He wants to give you himself. How many of you want Jesus? See, God doesn't want the money out of your, he doesn't want the money out of your pockets. He wants the idols out of your heart. That's what he wants. You see, Matthew says, Whatever your, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart. You need to know that. Where your heart will also be. Idolatry is often a good thing that becomes a God thing. Let me just say, it can start out with a good thing, then it becomes a God thing. Does that make sense? It's like something that was good, that was okay, then all of a sudden, that very thing consumes you. Idols consume our lives as we pursue them. This is why some people can't stop working, they can't stop eating, they can't stop drinking, they can't stop gambling. And I'm not here to preach about all those, but you know. Because we've all done, how many of you have eaten too much once or twice in your life? Look around, there's a few who have done that more than once. Okay? How many of you have, well, I don't want to go into gambling, but, you know, some of you might have dabbled. I'm not asking for hands. How many of you could say that, you know, sometimes you've just worked too much? You see, well, I can do this. South Louisiana, how many of you think you drank too much? All right, put it down. Too much water. I heard that. That's a whole nother message. If you want to find your idol, let me just say, look at me. If you want to find out what your idol is, follow your money. Follow the trail of where your money leads you. You see, 
You don't need to be rich to have money as your idol. You could be poor and obsessed with money. Consumed with money. Playing the lotto. Gambling. Trying to get rich quick. Doing things that are illegal to get you more money. The way we use our wealth is an indication of the condition of our heart. Am I making sense here? You see, it's just a condition. You ever hear somebody, I got a heart condition. Well, what is it? Well, I got, you know, this artery's blocked up, and they have to go in there and put a stent right here, and they had to do the, you know, people can tell you, and there's people that have had things with their heart. I know Miss Mary, she's doing well. You know, this Mr. Bird, you know, he had open heart. There's just different people here this morning that you know what it's like in the physical heart. But in the spiritual heart, if you can't get enough, listen, it just consumes you. It's like putting that air on you. If you have a, a you know, I can't get enough. <sighs> Jesus wants to come and just put his presence on you. That you're not overwhelmed by the things of this world. Because you know what the world says? More. Mo, mo. If it's a Cajun, mo. Come on, mo. And see, let me say, wealth is not wisdom's goal, but it's often wisdom's reward. You see, the third and final thing is giving is the greatest demonstration of the Bible. It's giving. First John, it says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but I love this, but let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we can be content with what we stand, when we stand before God. It's not talking about it. It's just doing it. It's a, the vision calls us to action, not apathy. What do you mean? If you look at the very beginning in the gospel, you have Adam and Eve, and then you have Cain and Abel. Cain, what, I mean, we know that Abel came and brought an offering to the Lord, right? Remember? He came and brought his first fruits, the, the, the very first thing. And he gave out of faith. I'm going to teach you a Bible lesson here. And Cain, he came and gave what was left over. He came... Let me just, Abel represents faith or faithfulness. And Cain represents works. How many of you know that your works won't produce the life that you really need in Jesus? You see, Cain represents even the dark side, the enemy. Because the enemies come to rob, kill, and destroy. What did Cain do? He represents darkness. He came and killed his brother. See, the enemy's after you. He's after your heart. He wants to cut off the life supply that Jesus wants to bring. It's like bringing those big old ships into harbor. And God's got all these things that he wants to give you by his grace. He wants to empower you. He wants to bless you. Are you hearing me? But the enemy's kind of standing at the port and going, no. You can't have that. You don't deserve that. You don't need that. Trust this. Trust that. And you're going, no. I need supply. I need supply. 
I guess the best way I can describe it, if just you know me, I'm just going to go there. I remember one time I was goose hunting with, with Pastor Jacob and Pastor Todd at our Lake Charles Church. And we were in this ditch and geese were just flying. And it was like a conservation, so it was no limit. I mean, we killed so many geese. They were just flying over this ditch. And all of a sudden, we ran, people started running out of bullets. And I had a few. I said, hey, $5 a shell. There's always an opportunist in a ditch. They would have paid, but I gave. I didn't want to. I was stingy. But you know, sometimes, let me just, oh, there go there. I can go there now. Just got a thought. You know why sometimes it's so good to give? It gets rid of the stinginess that's in our hearts. Because see, in the natural, I'm a hoarder. In the natural, I'm selfish. In the natural, I don't want to give you nothing. That's mine. Come on. Anybody, come on. Anybody preach with me this morning? It's mine. It's my stuff. Don't mess with my stuff. That's mine. But what happens is when you learn to give, it takes away that greediness. It takes away that hoarding spirit. Anybody got a hoarding? We'll cast it off. Anyway. See, God is not withholding anything from you. He didn't even withhold Jesus, his son. He gave. But gave him up for what? All of us. See, your giving and my giving, our giving starts not when you, you get a job. It starts when you get saved. When you really get saved, all of a sudden, things begin to be different. You see things differently. That money that God has blessed you with is a vehicle to be used for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? It's to bring provision for your family. It's to bring provision for what you need. Everybody needs gas. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs shelter. Everybody needs just the basics. God wants to give you the supply to meet those needs. But I've learned this. And sometimes in, in the Christian world, so, you know, when God bless him, when I get that Cadillac and I get that big house and I get that big, big account, then I'll start giving. I've learned this. You know what? If you do things when they're small, that eventually when things begin to grow and begin to do things, you've already been doing it. So when, because you did it, like J.D. Rockefeller, he said, hey, if I wouldn't have tithed off my first dollar I made, I would have never tithed off my millionth dollar. And so for everyone, our giving starts when we get saved. The gospel ought to change our question from how much should we give into how much should I, we keep? Lord, what is you? Okay, God, this is yours. Okay, let's make it. How, how many of your money belongs to who? God. Or here's the question. Does your money belong to God? See, have you ever asked yourself why God has blessed you so much? Have you ever asked that? God, why are you blessing me? What does he want us to mean? Or maybe, God, what do you want me to do with all this that you've blessed me with? I just know this. Half of being smart is knowing what you're stupid at. Can I say that again? Oh, that sounds good. Somebody needs to write that. 
Half of being smart is knowing what you're dumb at or stupid at. There are some things i just not good at. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Y'all, y'all, y'all know I'm not good at stuff? All right, good. My wife can raise her hand. He's not good at this. He's not good at that. I'm fixing, you know, cutting wood. I can't even, I can't even saw straight. Okay? It's just no. See, giving is the greatest. Look at me. Giving is the greatest demonstration of the gospel. Giving. You know, in a couple of weeks, we have a couple that's coming from England that's going to be here at our church, two of our campuses. His name's Matthew, and his wife's name's Becky Murray. When she was a little girl, God gave her a vision and a dream to help kids. This is a true story I'm about to tell you. They'll probably say it. When, and when they, and, and they got married and God put it on Becky's heart. And her husband is one of the main writers in all of England for Christian articles. And, and he's just incredible. They're, they're in their 30s. They're early 30s, okay? It just I love them. We connected when I was in London. And God put it on her heart to start an orphanage in Africa, in Kenya. And Brother Keith, y'all know Brother Keith, he just came to him and he said, Hey, the Lord gave me a word for y'all. Bananas. They go, bananas? Yeah, bananas. And they're like, that's a, kind of a silly word. You know, the English, that's a silly word. And they're going, bananas, bananas. So they come to America, and a lady that knew what they were doing and what they wanted to do said, Hey, I have an uncle... And he would like to meet you, and God's blessed him tremendously. So they went to, I think it was Florida, and they went to his place. And when they got in there, they started talking to him, and little did they know that this was the owner of Jaquita Bananas. And he gave them a tremendous gift to their orphanage. And if you see their orphanage, it's incredible. It's incredible. They've done such a great job. The, the country of Sri Lanka, the guy that has the largest church in Sri Lanka, is asking them to come start an orphanage there in their country right now. So they're in the midst of doing that. And they're in the midst of starting a church. And so I'm like, wow, I just look at two people that aren't about themselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's Lord God, you gave me a dream, you gave me a desire, you gave me a passion, and this is what I do. Some of you, listen, I just know this. There's a passion. Some of you have, some of you have a passion to help people. Some of you, you, you could be a nurse, a doctor. That's a God-given desire. You have passion, you have a compassion. That passion, your passion is to have compassion on people. Or at least that's what it should be. Especially if you're gonna be a doctor coming up nowadays, you forget about the money. It's not about the money anymore, it's about do you really have a call? And literally when they would look at the, you know, several, like being a lawyer, being a doctor, some of the professionals, it was a call from God to do those things. A call. Say it with me. Say a call. What has God called you to do with what he's blessed you with? What has he called you to do? You see, Giving is the greatest demonstration. See, we give to missions because the gospel says Jesus died on the cross. And he had, he had people in mind from every tongue. What do you mean? Tribe, nation. The Bible tells us we are blessed so we may be a blessing. To what? To nations. We give 
up our first fruits. That's a tithe because God gave his first fruits, his son, to the church. Tithing reminds me, and it should remind you that materialism isn't going to, materialism is a losing battle. Hello? We give to the poor and the needy because we're pointing to the truth that says, hey, when we were poor in Jesus, he came to meet my needs. I was poor in God, but God came and poured out his love and gave his love and his forgiveness towards me and you. And he was rich in doing that. He lavished us with freedom. He took away the guilt. He took away the shame. Anybody alive in here this morning? Every time I give or every time I tithe, I give away part of my greediness, my covetousness, my selfishness. It changes me from being a a hoarder, a collector, a keeper. God is a giver and he wants us to believe him. By giving, you're pointing to the reality and the truths of the gospel. Hey, man, it's all about, listen to me. Can I just say something? And see, what we have such a mix-up in the church world today is that if a preacher gets up there and talks about money, he's talking about, listen to me, he's talking about a selfish gain rather than proper gain. It's all about, hey, you give me this and you know, I can get my jet. Or you give this and we can get this. And it's not about giving. It's what we can do for the kingdom of God. What we can do for people. What can we give away? You know, when we do the race and there's 3,000 people that come or more that come for the race... When we did the Easter egg drop, there was almost 4,000 people here that came. We got a letter from a businessman. He said, I don't know how y'all got it, what you did. You know, we saved our money to do it. And I even had people, that's stupid. Why are you spending your money on that? Hey, what are y'all going to throw eggs at kids? People are laughing at us. No, we just, we want to bless the community. We want to be a blessing. We want to show, and, I, and, and Josh had a guy that's in the education department. He said, man. You go to that rich church, don't you? So you should have showed him the bank account. We're stupid. We give in the world's eyes. You know why he was saying rich? Because he said, I've watched y'all. Y'all do so many different things in the community. You don't just talk about it. But you actually do things. You see, I'm not here. Listen, I'm here to say thank you. Thank you for many times being generous when it was difficult. Thank you for, you know what, for the whole REACH campaign. This is not about money. The, the whole REACH campaign that we've raised, we, we brought in almost $80,000 to get the Crowley campus going. And they're going in there and people are blown away of what they're already doing and what they're able to do. Because it's people like you that believe and trust in and ask God, God, what, are you, what can I be a part? What can I do? Because it's always reaching people and building lives. And listen, as long as we got a church, you'll be hearing me say that. I'm going to wear you out. I love what we had the other night at a leaders meeting. That we came, I said, if there's one word to describe our church, what would it be? It's, and everybody agreed, family. Family. Someone said love, and then everybody goes, oh, family. You see, let me, let me just say this. The question is, what kind of gospel are we pointing to through our giving? Are you personally, what are you pointing to? What kind of gospel? See, giving money should be the hardest and the easiest thing in the world to do. 
What do you mean, Pastor Baba? The hardest because you have to get rid of the idols in your heart. <laughs> That's the hard part. Well, Can I just tell you something? Before I became a Christian, I could show you the road where my money went. Listen, you know where my heart was? I love music. I had every, this album. This dates me. Come on, Miss Shirley, you know what albums are. I had eight tracks and cassettes. I had every kind of rock band you can think of. I mean, I was spending my, and then I had something to make it feel good. When I sit there and going, that's good stuff, dude. How much? Hey, here you go. I got to share with my friends. I go to bars. Can I just say, I go to bars. And if you pump me up, prime the pump a little bit, I get, I get generous. Hey, get them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, when I, was, when I was 19 and 20 years old, I was making, working in the oil field 35 years ago, making 750 to 900 and something dollars a week. Your middle name would be Partey. <laughs> that was a lot of money for a young guy that didn't know how to handle it. I was stupid. Because, see, my trail just directed me, but I had a grandmother. And Todd knows who I'm talking about. Let, let me just say this. The reason I'm in church today and the reason I'm a preacher is, number one, God, but I blame my grandmother 100%. She'd be like, my God in heaven. You know, she'd call, I'd call her, my God, my God. Boy, what have you been doing? God, got to call a God on your life. I go, well, what is that? You know what? When I got saved, radically saved, that money trail stopped. Hello. Okay. I played Boo Ray one time offshore. They took all my money. I said, that's it. I ain't gambling. <laughs> they looked at this greenhorn and go, hey, you want to play a game of Boo Ray? What's that? It's like, I thought, this is a game where you put all your money in the table and they take it. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I've never had a problem with gambling ever since then. Never. He said, Pastor, where are you going? Let me get to tell you where I'm going. But, here's the but. But when I gave my life to Jesus, the money trail began to change. When I got saved, I had money in the bank. I paid my way through Bible college. I paid my way. My parents didn't pay my way. But in the midst while I was doing that, I used to get these little letters from my grandmother. Okay, and I love the letters. I, I wish I would have just taken pictures. And she'd send me letters and she'd have money. And sometimes she'd write in red on the money. And the blood of Jesus be over this money from anybody touching it. This belongs to the, to the, the purposes of God for my grandson. She was giving me blood money, Jesus' money. She'd send cash sometimes. Nene, don't. One time it got stolen. And she started giving me postal money orders, okay? But she, she, I mean, all through when I was just a single guy, she'd send me those little letters. And she'd write in there. She says, I'm praying God does what he wants to do in your life. 
There's a purpose for You know why? She was investing before anybody. She was investing in the call of God in my life. Here's my question. What are you investing God's money in? Listen, if it's a ministry somewhere, bless them. If it's an orphanage, bless them. If God's called you to be part of the REACH campaign, bless them. Bless, bless the REACH campaign. Whatever it is. Because see, here, here's what it, let me just finish with this. Anybody hearing me this morning? Luke says it like this, I love it. If you were faithful in little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, you will tr- who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And what he's saying about God is not against money. He's, he's against the love of money. That it becomes an idol. You see, you can't, you can't look in, one direct, in two directions at one time. Unless you're Marty Feldman. The old actor had his eyes. It would... Okay, yeah, anyway. But, and see what Jesus is saying is, look at me, where are your eyes? Because see, this is the thing. The eyes represent the spiritual heart. What do you got your eyes on? What are you looking at? Is your, is your sight divided well, this and God. No, God's saying, no, 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 no. You want all of me? You got to give all of you. And when you give all of you, I'll give you all of me. Because see, I know people, can, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. People use God to think they'll get money. Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about? God's saying, you look to me, and I'll bless you with supply. You look to me, I'll help you to be content. Being content is mean all your needs being met and being able to be a blessing to people around you. Amen? Maybe you're here this morning and you've had a different direction. Maybe you, you, you started out, you know, I, I've, Pastor, I, you know, I started out and I, I want to honor Jesus, but I'm at a point in my life. And it's not about, it's just that I know that I'm looking in two different directions. There's an old Chinese uh, word for when you're looking at two directions. It means it's one foot in one boat and another foot in another boat, and they're both going different directions. You got to make a decision. Quick. In South Louisiana, you got one foot in one P-Row and another one in the mud boat. What you going to do? And the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? God loves you. The reason I want to share this with you this morning is because I love you. This church, we love you. I can say this. I prayed for you this morning. I prayed that God would reveal himself, that God would show himself. God would speak to us. Not just, not just you, but me.
And then I would have one passion, one direction. It would be Jesus. Pursuing him. And I wouldn't allow anything in my life to distract me or disturb me from what that path God wants to bring me on. Amen? How many of you want a passion for Jesus? See, that's what it's all about. But here's the question. You say, Pastor Bubba, I've been looking two directions, but I know that I need to get my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, the finisher. See, the Bible says he who starts a good work is able to complete that which he began to the day that we meet him face to face. I did a funeral this past week. And there was someone that didn't know the Lord. And those are, sometimes those are the best ones. You go, what? Because it's all about sharing with people what a, the Christian, I always try to share in a Christian perspective. If you know the Lord, this is what happens. If they came back, what would they say? What would, what would they tell you right now? They'd say it was worth it worth whatever thing I went through. One of the things I said, they would say, it's wonderful. No more guilt, no more shame. Match the face behind the voice. It's wonderful. But the last thing is said, you know what they'd say? I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting. Isn't it amazing when people die? Look at me. All of a sudden, they become a saint. but they live like the devil all their lives. Isn't it amazing? Listen, I don't want to just make it to heaven. Hello. I want to have, I want to have things, jewels to present to the one who saved me. I want to be a blessing. Hello. How many of you want to be a blessing to God? I remember a girl one time, she goes, I didn't know. How did she say it? She goes, I knew that God loved me, but I didn't know I was supposed to love him back. That was a revelation to her. But I didn't know I was supposed to love him. I grew up in church. I knew he always loved me. But I didn't know my response should, I should love him back. The responsibility is how do we love God back? By giving him our heart, our whole life. Let's pray. Put your, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you this morning for all that you're doing and all you're speaking. Because, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be fixed upon you today. That you would expose motives, arterial motives, why we do the things we do and who we do them for. That we would lay aside the idols. And when I look at old religious books, I would see people running to a a, a place and they'd be throwing these idols that they had made with their hands to this fire and they were giving it up. And they would kneel and weep and worship you. And Lord, it's, it's not what I'm talking about right now. It's us coming to that point and realizing that we've allowed things to disrupt. We've made idols out of things. And I pray, and even in our mind's eye this morning, it would be like us coming and running to you and running to your altar and saying, God, I give it all back to you. I don't want to hold these things. I don't want these things to take possession of my mind, of my heart, of my decisions. But I want to give, I want to have my eyes fixed. Fixed on you this morning. That I give you my whole life. 
please, no one looking around, but you say, Pastor Baba, I've seen that I've had eyes going two different directions. My heart has been going in two different directions. But I know that I need to fix my eyes on Jesus and give him my whole life this morning. If that's you, no one look around, just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Baba. That's me. Go ahead. You can raise it real quick. Thank you. You put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being real. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. I'd rather be real right now and be exposed and embarrass a little bit of my flesh and my pride than hold back things. Father, you saw these that have raised their hand. Come on, just pray with me, saints. You've seen these that raise their hand, and I pray that you would help them. They would begin to have eyes that are set and fixed upon you. And Lord, I pray that these things that you're bringing to pass, you're showing them in their own, their mind's eye, Holy Spirit. I pray that they would literally put those things and they would cast them off of themselves and cast them to you. And you said that we cast our cares upon you, that you would take care of us. And sometimes we think if we hold on to these things, that somehow they'll bring provision. But Lord, it's when we let go and we trust you. You provide everything we need. Now, Lord, I pray for those that need peace of mind, peace of heart. They just let go of those things and trust you with all their lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap for those that raise their hand and just, we rejoice with you. Listen, don't, please don't go anywhere right now, but let me, let me just say this. And I was thinking about it. I remember a story that I heard years ago about a guy in India that he was dying and he was praying for his idol to help him through his, his sickness. And when he died, they found this man and he had, had his hand clutched around this idol, this little statue that he was praying to. And when they peeled his hands, <laughs> what they found on the bottom of his statue said, made in China. Oh, it's funny in one hand, but it's sad in the other. It was made by someone else's hands. God wants to fashion you with his own hands.